Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, it's Mother's Day, May 14th. And we're learning about the power of our words in our daily lives. Now, um, we had been talking about why... It is good to confess God's words when we speak. So we need to speak God's words because, first of all, our feelings are all over the place. Circumstances and popular opinions constantly change. Sometimes our information or our perception is incorrect. Our speech is often inconsistent and worthless as far as making any difference in our circumstances. And we should not let feelings or circumstances drive our speech. Only divine wisdom is steady, dependable, unchangeable, and blessed. So uh, we went over a lot of scriptures last week talking about um, the eternal word, the truth of God's word, the unchangeability, the dependability uh, of God's word. The, guarantee, the full guarantee of his word under the name of Jesus and through his blood. Uh, the words of the Lord are flawless and perfect. So there's lots of scriptures to tell us why the words that come out of our mouths should line up with the word of God. Uh, <clears throat> now there are different aspects. Yes, his word is eternal and uh, it's, it's perfect. But there are some other things. So let's go uh, to Hebrews chapter 1. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Well, okay, go ahead and read it. (laughs) Verses 1, 2, and 3. Well, I I only put 2 and 3 because I have a specific aspect that's pointed out in those two verses. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Okay. So this is God speaking to us. Okay, we're in Hebrews 1, mm-hmm. verses 2 and 3, and um, Ryan has the NIV. Yeah. Okay, 
Uh, Ed, would you first read it out of the Amplified and then Ryan out of the NIV? Because they do have slightly different ways of stating the same thing. In many separate revelations, each of them set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways God spoke from old to our forefathers and by the prophets. But in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the person of the Son, who he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time he made produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine, and he is a perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When he had, by offering himself, accomplished, accomplished our cleansing of sins and radiance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. Okay, that's about three times as long as what yes. Ryan has to read. <laughs> in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The sun is, a, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So the point of that is the power, the power that we have access by using God's words. Um, when you realize what he has done just through his spoken word, all that he created just by speaking the word, everything was created. He made all things, made everything in the universe, everything that exists was created by his words. And Jesus is the radiance He's the fleshly manifestation radiating out God's glory. And so <clears throat> anything that we read that was spoken by Jesus is just as powerful. And everything that ex exists is sustained through his word. And we're going to pick up some more verses about that to confirm it. And let's just stay in Hebrews and go back to chapter 10. Okay, and it's one verse, verse 23. So do you want to read that, Ryan? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So there's that faithfulness again. So we profess it. We profess the hope <coughs> through Christ. And using the words of God, we see the faithfulness to bring what we say into the manifestation that we can see it, hear it, feel it, taste it. 
touch it. And why don't you go ahead and, and uh, read that out of the Amplified because uh, the NIV says hold unswervingly. But what does the Amplified say? That really puts a, an emphasis on it. Do you want to read that, Jill? So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. Okay, so that, that ties together the scriptures we read last week with what we're going into this week. Right. So it, the scripture is reliable and faithful and very, very powerful. And it's up to us to seize it, grab it, take hold of it, hold on to it really securely, and then get it down into hearts to the point where we know it, we understand it, we speak <coughs> it, we ch actually cherish the Word of God, we love the Word of God, and then we acknowledge it to others as well as to ourselves. But you notice the word hope as well. He's, you know, the, the hope we have has to be cherished. Yes. It's through his word that we gain hope. Yes. Because people without the word of God are pretty hopeless right. in a lot of tough times. Okay, now go to chapter 11. Hebrews? Yes, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Why don't you read that, Taylor? By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that that so that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. Okay. I don't, I don't get it. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So it's His word, His spoken word. Everything in the universe was formed. So that what, what is seen now in the physical, natural, fleshly world was not made out of what we could see, touch, or feel. It was made out of the spiritual realm, the invisible spiritual realm. So what he did, okay, Here. the spiritual realm... What is spirit? Um... Nothing was seen before God spoke the word, light be. Okay. And that brought what existed in the spiritual realm into, into the, the physical, physical realm. Okay. Nothing was made out of something that was already there for everyone to see. It all came from the spiritual, which is the original. That's the original, into the physical, which is the copy. Because the scientists say that the natural condition of the normal universe is pure chaos. So I can see how that makes sense. And God is not the author of chaos or confusion. He's the God of order. Yeah. And when he, so he spoke the word and what already existed in God came out of him. And made the universe. And made the universe. And the, the thing is, uh, your quantum physicists are starting to understand these concepts. Yes. The science is now catching up with the Bible. <laughs> and they're starting to see how the glory of God, which is light and, con and like an electromagnetic field, 
is what holds things together and that all comes out of the glory of God. God is light and God is in everything because it's his power and his word that holds everything together. When, and they see that in the Quarks and Higgs boson yes. and all of that. Quarks and Quarks. And the, yeah, the Quarks and the bosons and everything yes. else which are smaller Sorry. than the neutrons, protons, and electrons that we learned about. They're going down uh, micro, micro vision. And, uh, and they're starting to see, and a lot of scientists that were atheists are now some of the strongest believers in God because they discovered it. There is that no science way. is catching up. They can't find the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I always say. You can't find the beginning. Yeah, the beginning is God. Yes, other than God. So faith reveals what was already there in the unseen realm. Speech is the action rooted in faith that brings the unseen into the scene, which is what we more <coughs> readily perceive. So basically, we perceive the natural realm, but when you become spirit-filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you can start to see and experience those things that are in the spirit realm. <clears throat> and there's no need to be scared about it. I know some people are scared of that, but no, that's the, ex that's the original. That's the original way things are. were. So... <clears throat> Now, uh, I'd like to read a little quote from Mel Bond. And I don't know, are you, any of you familiar with Mel Bond? He's um, an Indian chief oh, who is extremely um, spirit-filled and he has healing ministry and he, um, I think he's uh, kind of a United Methodist background in, in him. But he had a t TV program for a half hour on Saturday mornings, and we watched it every week. And Did lots uh, of healings. he could really see into the spirit, and uh, he could see what was going on in people's bodies, and just speak a word, and people came out of wheelchairs. And mm -hmm. he described uh, the spirits that were in people, the the things that were causing them pains and stuff like that, almost like spiders. Oh. gripping people. It was interesting because he could actually see it and he'd say it's right there and he'd command it to leave and people had amazing now he He's written a lot of books about you know the gifts of the spirit yes. and functioning in the spirit realm and he would have um, teaching conferences and lots of things like that. So uh, he, he is so interesting that I was thinking about buying one of his books. Never got it. Not I didn't, huh. but B O N D. Yeah, B O N D. Mel Bond. Okay. And he always dresses, you know, kind of yeah. like the Indian. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Well, not you know, yeah. Western, yeah. Western style, and I might have seen him. Yeah. The opposite of Mel Brooks. <laughs> okay. Well, um, <laughs> this is from his teachings. Here is the power of your words. The worlds, the universe, were made and upheld by the Word, who is Jesus, the Word of God. Uphold means to keep from falling. And the power is dunamis power, miraculous power. 
and we talked about that a minute. Have you considered that our solar system always holds on course? If it got off course even a tiny bit, we would either freeze or burn to death. It is always perfectly consistent and in order by God's force. God creates and upholds by the power of his words. He has given us that same power. The gospel is the power of God through salvation, which is offered to us. The scriptures are the written words containing the power of God, which we can speak out. According to 2 Peter 1, verse 19, we have the word of the prophet that is more sure, more certain, that that is a light shining in a dark place. The original Greek wording is that we have a greater force of divine expression. So, I mean, you know, we watch a lot of TV and, and see a lot of people that are spirit-filled, but uh, this just really stuck out to me, especially when you start talking about these scriptures about the power of God's word. When you start thinking how he created everything through his word, and you think about quantum physics that all brings it into our, our supposed reality, and how scientists are finding that uh, their science is catching up to the Bible. The Bible is not a fairy tale, that it's real. Right there is how it works. And um, thinking about how the solar system is always perfect, everything on course. It, you know, this, this planet cannot deviate one tiny bit to hold it in place, and it's all done by the words of God. And then you, when you think we have access to that kind of power, we have access. It's up to us to reach out and get it and understand it and put it into practice. I think that we also have this limited ability that we perceive God as Jesus, a man, and don't realize just what the powerful force he is. We don't, we, we don't even comprehend sometimes, I think, you know, the power that he possibly has. And we just kind of put him in this little form of a, of a being. The grace, the, you grace. Know, the grace part of it. Right. We just think that, oh, he's there and he graces, you know, blesses us and that sort of thing. So our, our conception of him is just so limited that we just don't fathom how absolutely powerful this thing, this is. God is. Mm, isn't that wonderful? Just well, unbelievable. That's why it's so easy for people not to see it, though. Because that's we right. tend to put it in terms of the physical realm, the physical world. Which you we understand. See, you know, and yes. physical relationships. And it's very difficult. You have to spend years of study to start seeing the spiritual world aspect of everything. You know, they tell us that. We're, we're three-part being, you know, that we're body, soul, and spirit. And I think the hardest thing for me was ever recognizing the spirit part. You know, body and soul were easy to, to develop. Right. But getting into the spirit took me forever to get there. Well, we're you know? so used to just, like you said, fairy tale stories. Mm -hmm. The Bible, you know, and that's what we learn in Sunday school classes. Yep. And these, sun, these stories that we're to live by. But we did never go into the power of the being that created this no. world. When you 
can't visually or can't even mentally con have a concept of how far out that goes, where you go bonkers thinking about it. Yeah. Well, really it's almost bonkers. too much for our little well, brains. Well, I think we, we don't we have get into a, but when you the think, speed of light and yes. light years and the speed of sound. How far and, away things and, are. And yeah, what, and it's just like in the universe constantly expanding and they keep discovering new universes and it's just like, bah, you yes. know, it just boggles the mind. So I guess <clears> in reality it's easier for us maybe to believe in the stories that we read in the Bible other than that concept of this power that this, this God yeah. has. But once you open yourself and up you, to it, you have to. You you step out of that box, and start to listen to the Holy yes. Spirit talking to you to do this that you normally wouldn't think of doing on your own. You wouldn't be comfortable, like He tells you. Yeah. Go talk to that person about um, being baptized in the Spirit or becoming born again if they're not born again yet. Right. And and you start. Just stepping out and doing some of these things that God tells you to do to advance his kingdom. And then you start, he starts trusting you with the gifts of the spirit and you start flowing in the gifts of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And you start feeling things and experiencing things and, and seeing things in that spirit realm. It's just like, it is just so utterly amazing that you want more. You right. want more and more and more. Because... I think we overthink. It gives you... The stories. Yeah. The relationship, the communion, yeah. <coughs> it gives you hope, that hope of overcoming all the tragedy and evil in the world. And yes. it's a much better way to live. But, you know, it's up to you to choose it. And uh, people can't make you do it. You have to want it. Um, I think talking about not understanding who God is, when, I, when you go into those studies about the names of God in the Hebrew... Yeah. That's where you start to get some of that understanding. Exactly. That when you differentiate, and you start using the, that understanding when you read these verses, like in the beginning, God, that's Elohim. Mm -hmm. And Elohim is the, the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, functioning together as creators of the universe. And that's different from the point where uh, it talks about Yahweh, who is the part of God that relates to us as humans and we develop a two-way relationship, Yahweh. And then you have Adonai and, and you know, uh, Yehovah Sidkenu and Yehovah Rapha and Rophe and Nisi and, and all the other names. Then you start to understand how big your God is. And when you read these scriptures, then when you think back to, oh, that's that—that's my God, my banner. That's my God who lifts his shield to protect me. Oh, that's my God who provides for me. And then you can get into that scripture and say it and know it. And that's how you get it down into your heart. Well, Pastor Robert Morris, uh, he's the blessedlife.com, and he's on TV all the time. Lots of books, you know. Yes. Um, he made two points. Words connect us with God. Our words bring God from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. God sent his word, Jesus, to us. Who is the connection and the word of faith? So it's who. The word is also who. Who is the connection and the word of faith? Uh, this goes back to Romans 10, verse 9. 
Do we want to read that quick? We might as well. Acts Romans. Romans 10. Verse 9. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's our connection, is uh, salvation through Jesus and confessing it with your lips. And then Matthew 12, Matthew. I'm not as fast in this, this one, because it's my other Bible that has everything marked. Okay, this one's a little harder to find things. Uh, Matthew 12, verses 33 to 37. Okay, who is the connection on the word of faith? Words are also the way we connect with people. Are your words speaking life or death over others? Are your words building up or tearing down? Convicting versus condemning? Cleansing and washing in the word versus sandblasting? So verse 33, either make the tree sound healthy and good and its fruit sound healthy and good, or make the tree rotten, diseased and bad, and its fruit rotten, diseased and bad. For the tree is known and recognized and judged by its fruit. You offspring of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil and wicked? For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man from his inner good treasure flings forth good things, and the evil man out of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. But I will tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give an account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned and sentenced. So he connects all that up. Now, uh, okay, I'm back in Hebrews now. Hebrews 6. Should have told you to keep your finger in there. (laughs) All right. Well, you just get accustomed to your pages. I've got so many bookmarks in this, I can get to almost anything right away. (laughs) You see, all my bookmarks are in the NIV. (laughs) Okay, Hebrews 6 and verse 3. Ryan, would you read that out of the NIV? Verse, no, wait, 13. Chapter chapter 6, verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. Okay, and then read uh, verses 16 through 20. Okay. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what it said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, 
he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So those... Um Those two unchangeable things are his promise and his oath. Those are the things. His promises and his oaths. See, in my mind, makes it, it impossible. His purpose interposed with an oath. Well, oh, there it is. And that the purpose comes through his promises. He gives us a purpose, and then he has promises that we can stand on. Mm -hmm. So God's word is true. God is creator, and he is the source of truth. The truth does not change and is not dependent on our perception of it. Our idea of a fact is not necessarily a truth. Our facts can change when new discoveries and knowledge are obtained. Facts change based on human capability, perception, addition of new knowledge, and understanding. A primary example is that humans believe that the earth is flat, but then it was discovered that the earth is round. Humans thought that the sun moved around earth, but then discovered that the earth and other planets revolve around the sun. Research constantly is updating what we believed were facts. God designed and created everything, and he is the source of truth. God made his promise, swore by himself, and his word is confirmed, unchangeable, dependable, and true. It is impossible for God to break his covenant promises, and he cannot go against his own word. When our words line up with his words, we tap into his unchangeable, dependable, genuine, trustworthy, faithful, everlasting power and authority. We can have confidence when we speak God's words as our words. Um, I had looked online about definition of truth. And any dictionaries pretty much just said itself, it is what is true. It is reality. It is fact. No, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. I do not agree with those definitions. Um, and basically, when you say, what is truth, and say, well, it's whatever is true, well, what's true? It never even answered itself. That's right. And we know that so-called scientific facts change as we gain new knowledge. Mm -hmm. So how can you use that as a definition? Now, I did go on a site, uh, What is Truth?, and basically, what it said is people have debated the truth for centuries. And nobody can agree what is truth. Mm -hmm. So I basically think that my definition that I gave a few weeks ago, that truth is what comes from God, what God says, that's truth. He's the source of truth. 
And I think that's the best definition that anyone can come up with. It's what God establishes. He established it from the beginning. He wrote it in his word. So if you line up with his word, then you're lining up with truth. And the world will fly against it. Sure. Many times. Sure. Sometimes the world will agree, but many times it'll fly against it because you have all these scientists saying, well, Darwinism is the truth. Well, no. But that one statement, you, he cannot go against his word. So his word is truth. Right. So God won't go against his word. <coughs> so this is the word, and this is the truth. This is the truth. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. Exactly. And the life. So the truth is more or less the word, and I just say it's truth. Yeah. We use that word, you know, like you said, it's almost like sometimes the scientists prove it wrong the next day. You know, you prove it one day, and then the next day it's proven wrong. But if you say, it's the word, mm -hmm. it makes more sense that that would be the ultimate, you know, you, the truth. You could talk to five different people as to what is the reality of this, and you'll get five completely different fa uh, answers. Well, that's the interpretation. The interpretation. Which is... So to use yeah. reality as a definition for truth just doesn't <coughs> make sense. Doesn't make sense. No. Now, uh, go to Hebrews 7. <clears throat> okay. I'm sorry, you said Hebrews what? Hebrews 7, 7 okay. verses 16 through 28. Would you like to read that, Jill? That's a long one. Yes. Who has been constituted a priest, not on the basis of bodily legal requirement, concerning his physical but on the basis of the power of an endless and indestructible life. For it is witnessed by, of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So a previous physician regulation and command is canceled because of its weakness and ineffectiveness and uselessness. For the law never made anything perfect, but instead, a better hope is introduced through which we now come close to God. And it was that, not without the taking of an oath, that Christ was made priest. For those who formerly became priests received their office without its being confirmed by the taking of an oath by God. But this one was designated and addressed and saluted with an oath. The Lord has sworn and will not regret it or change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In keeping with the oath's greatest strength and force, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better, stronger agreement, a more excellent and more advantageous covenant. Again, the former successive line of priests was made up of many, because they were each prevented by death from continuing. But he holds his priesthood unchangeable because he lives on forever. Therefore, he is able also to save to the utmost, completely, perfectly, finally, 
and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. Since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. Here is the high priest, perfectly adapted to our needs as was fitting, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners, and exalted higher than the heavens. He has no day-by-day -day necessity as do each of these others, high priests, to order sacrifice first of all for his own personal sin, and then for those of the people because he met all the requirements once for all when he brought himself as a sacrifice which he offered up. For the law sets up men in their weakness, their frail, sinful, dying human beings as high priests, but the word of God's oath, which was spoken later, after the institution of the law, chooses and appoints as priest one who Appointment is complete and permanent. A son who has been made perfect forever. One of the main points here is uh, the Levites mm -hmm. became priests by birth, by their lineage. Because yeah. God designated the priest uh, to come from the line of Levi. And they were the keepers of the tabernacle and all the uh, necessaries that pla were placed in the tabernacle. You know, when it right. was the tent of meeting, they would move that and all everything uh, through the wilderness. And then when the temple was built in Jerusalem, then they maintained that temple mm -hmm. and performed all the priestly duties. But they were not... Um, they weren't making a choice like we have to make today. They were born into it. And it all depend on you know who your mother and father were. And they had to be from the line of Levi. Now under this new covenant, when Jesus came and he was the perfect sacrifice, he ended all that temple ritual. He finished it all. And the whole new covenant of grace came into effect under Jesus. So now we get to choose whether we want to be saved or not and have, Lord, have Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Right. And through that salvation, we come, become priests in the spirit realm. And we, we are as Jesus because his blood washed us clean and recreated a new spirit man within us. So now we are considered, when, when God looks at us through Jesus, he sees us as blameless. And we're in his righteousness. And high priest. And we are high priest. And we're of the royal lineage of Jesus. <clears throat> so we're kings and priests in the, the kingdom of God. So everything in our lives is based on Jesus. He's the perfect priest and a guarantee of a better covenant. And we're all part of that. So Jesus is the word, so we're based on the word. We need to live like that. <clears throat> so let's just read Hebrews 13, verse 5. 
We are to model ourselves after Jesus. Okay. Ryan, would you read that <laughs> in the NIV? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Okay. Um, Ed, would you read that in the Amplified? It's a whole lot longer. Let <laughs> your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in my district leave you helplessness or nor forsake nor let you down relax my hold on you assure you assure you not okay so Jesus says guess what <laughs> I will not I will not I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down relax my hold on you assuredly not exclamation point <laughs> so is that the amplified that's in there? Yeah. Well, it's it's nowhere like that in the American standard. Okay, go ahead. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. It it just doesn't read the same way. No. I really like your, not is not Assuredly even. not. I really like your, your <laughs> version your version better. That's why I like to hear the different versions because the American Standard really beacons that down. They really broaden the understanding of the verse. So what do you have what time do you have there? Five, five till. Five till? Okay. We seem to run to five till. So let's just stop there because next week um, we'll end up going into some Old Testament verses that uh, connect with this verse that we just read. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.